0: O Lord, our maker, redeemer, and comforter, we are assembled in your presence to hear your holy word. We pray you to open our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that through the preaching of your word, we may be taught to repent of our sins, to believe on Jesus in life and death, and to grow day by day in grace and holiness. Hear us for Christ's sake. Amen. The Old Testament lesson is recorded in Leviticus chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. According to the doings of the land of Egypt, where you dwelt, you shall not do. And according to the doings of the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you, you shall not do. Nor shall you walk in their ordinances. You shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. Here ends the Old Testament lesson. The epistle is recorded in Paul's letter to the Galatians, The third chapter, beginning at verse 15. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men. Though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. And this I say, That the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given, which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Here ends the epistle lesson. The Holy Gospel is recorded in the Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter, beginning at verse 23. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is the holy gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
1: When high on Sinai's mountain the work you do, so that God may work in you, have mercy.
0: Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, whose faithfulness reaches unto the clouds and whose mercy endures forever, we humbly beseech you, be pleased to confirm and fulfill in us the covenant of your grace, made sure from the beginning of the world in Christ Jesus our Lord, that we may be found in him, not having our own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith in Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all who believe, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. Our sermon text is recorded in Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14 in Jesus' name. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Are you good enough for God? Are you holy enough? Are you right with God? Let's look at God's standard, his holy law. Bible scholars count 613 commandments in the law of Moses. In Psalm 15, King David reduced them to 11. Isaiah shrunk them to six. Micah binds them into three, and Habakkuk reduces them all to one. The righteous shall live by faith. If we can keep this one commandment, then we will be holy enough, right with God. But what does it mean to be righteous? The original basic meaning of the word right is straight. If we say, let me get this right, we mean, let me get this straight. When we say, I'm going right to the store, we, I mean that I will go straight to the store without stopping anywhere else. To act right means that one's behavior is as straight as God wants it to be. God's standard of straightness is his commandments. The opposite of someone who is righteous is someone who is crooked. Don't we talk about crooks and thieves? A crooked person behaves in a way that does not match the straight standards God sets. Who is righteous according to God's commandments? One sin puts a kink or wrinkle in the straight line that God expects. And it matters not if it is a big kink or wrinkle or a small one. James writes, For whoever keeps the whole law, and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Take the nicest person you know. Is his behavior as straight as the commandments measure? No. The best of us and the worst of us makes no difference, are crooked. Now we might sit around comparing who is more crooked, more cursed, but so what? God has no room in heaven for anything that is crooked. As Paul writes to the Galatians, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. And it doesn't matter if we live straight or right from here on. We still have the life we have lived up till now that is crooked. We can't straighten out the past by living straight from now on. And we can't straighten out the past for the same reason we can't straighten out a coat hanger. We don't have the right tools or ability. Try straightening out a coat hanger. You can't. We are like a coat hanger, crooked and wrinkled. So no matter how we behave, we can never get right with God. And so serious is sin. The Bible tells us if we hate God, His anger lasts long after our grandchildren are dead. What does God say about all his commandments? I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But the Bible tells us another way to be right with God. Jesus Christ straightens us out. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Note that Christ became a curse, not on his own account, but for us. He redeemed us, paid the ransom price to set us free by becoming a curse for us. Luther explains what this means in his Galatians commentary. Christ was to become the greatest thief, murderer, adulterer, robber, desecrator, blasphemer, etc., that there has ever been anywhere in the world. He is the sinner who has and bears the sin of Paul, the former blasphemer, persecutor, and assaulter, of Peter, who denied Christ, of David, who was an adulterer and a murderer. In short, He has and bears all the sins of all men in his body, not in the sense that he has committed them, but in the sense that he took those sins committed by us upon his own body in order to make satisfaction for them with his own blood. By this fortunate exchange with us, he took upon himself our sinful person and granted us his innocent and victorious person. Clothed and dressed in this, we are freed from the curse of the law, because Christ himself voluntarily became a curse for us. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus takes us into himself by baptism so that we can be painlessly executed for our sins along with Jesus when he died on the cross. Jesus then takes the kinks out of our lives with the same power God used to wake Jesus up after he died. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. To justify something is the Latin way of saying to straighten something out. The power to straighten us out is found in the work of the Holy Spirit, who uses the word and sacraments of Jesus to create and build faith in us. The miracle of mercy is that God, through Jesus, straightens out those who trust in him. It is God who both helps us want to do what is right and then helps us do it. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do, for his good pleasure. That brings us to the second half of the statement. The righteous will live by faith. We know who the righteous are. Those Jesus has straightened out, not those who behave properly. This is one of the most liberating sentences in the Bible. Notice the Bible doesn't say, The righteous shall live by keeping the Ten Commandments or by following certain church rules. There are no rules for righteous living. When it comes to our being made right with God, God couldn't care less about how we behave. When it comes to our salvation, what matters is what we believe. If we think that we can make ourselves right with God, by following rules. We fall back under the same curse that comes whenever we sin and put a kink in our life. Rather, Jesus came to free us from the dead end kind of life that tries to follow rules. The righteous will live by faith. Simply put, the person who trusts Jesus is doing the only right thing God wants him to do. When Jesus said that one's righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, they were insulted. So they asked Jesus, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent, period. Jesus did not say believe on him whom he sent, then make sure you tithe and go to church and so forth. He said, believe in the one he has sent, period. And remember, Jesus gives us the faith we need for believing on Jesus each time we hear his word. Of course, those who trust Jesus will behave differently than most everyone else. For example, if we trust Jesus, then we will naturally want to spend as much time as we can getting to know him better through his word and sacraments. If we take Jesus at his word, we will want to go to church, attend Bible studies, and spend time in personal and family devotions. After all, he promised that anyone who hears and keeps his word will be blessed. And think of the opportunities that we have that people didn't have in Bible times. We have our own personal Bibles. We have the small catechism that summarizes the main teachings of the Bible and applies them to our daily lives. We have devotionals such as Locke's Book of Family Prayer and meditations. We have long gospel messages broadcast weekly on the radio and Facebook and on our congregation's podcast. If we trust Jesus, we will do our best to follow his instructions, even if they seem hard or silly. How silly it seems to put our hard-earned money in a collection plate when one could have nice things or go on nice vacations. How silly it seems spending time teaching Sunday school or to serve on the church board or go to church or do other things to church for the church when you could be doing things that are fun. But Jesus says that if we do all these things, we will be blessed or rewarded. And how ordinary and unspectacular the means of grace appear to the outward eye. When it comes to the sacraments, uh, for example, of baptism, we are tempted to wonder, how can water do such great things? Or how can a bit of bread and a sip of wine make a difference? But Jesus tells us that he forgives sins when we do these things. We will even be able to do the impossible, to forgive the unforgivable, trusting that Jesus will make it up to us. We will be able to make disciples of all nations. Jesus promises that whatever we tell others about him will not be wasted, but will always do what he wants it to do. If we take Jesus at his word, we will take care of the needs of those around us, even if doing so means tightening our own belt. Jesus did not give us leftovers, but made himself poor so that we could become rich. To live by faith also means trusting that we will get what we need, even when times look bad, even when death knocks on our door. The righteous will live by faith, not only forgiven in this life, but also as a recipient of God's gift of eternal life. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God and Father, we praise you for the countless blessings we receive from your hand, the beauties of creation and the bounties of the earth, the joy of life and pleasure of friendship, the good of work, and the gift of rest, the privilege to share happiness and sorrow with one another. Above all, we thank and praise you for your saving word and for your son's body and blood, which you give us to eat and to drink in the sacrament. Through these means of grace, you send the Holy Spirit into our hearts and unite us to Jesus and to the whole Christian church on earth. Strengthen us through this heavenly food. Increase our trust in Christ and our love for one another. Great God and Lord, without your continuing help, we easily waver in our faith, lose courage, and grow careless in our watchfulness. The times and days are perilous. Give us strength to face the evils of each day with fresh confidence. Open our lips to speak of your grace and move us to use the gifts that you give us to share your word of salvation with all people. Protect and prosper the family, the school, the government, and all good institutions you have established for the benefit of society. Remember in mercy those who are sick and suffering and bring your healing to troubled homes and lives. Move us to pray for those in need and to help them with deeds of kindness. Now, eternal God and Father, keep us in the saving faith. And so enable us to overcome all things through our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
1: Be faithful to your marriage by all. No lost or impure thoughts alone. You shall not steal or cheat away what others worked for night and day, but open up a generous land to feed the poor in the land. Have mercy, Lord. Bear no false witness nor defeat your neighbor, nor destroy his name, but view him in the kindest way. Speak truth in all that you say, have mercy, Lord.